The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Transformation for Success show. This is Dr. Barbara Young, your radio talk show host. You know, for many years, my passion has been to empower people with simple success principles to transform their lives. Each day, my desire is to make a difference in the lives of others. Like most people, we all want success, and we want it now. But transformational change takes work, and sometimes many people want to bypass the work. But there are things that you must do to get results. And it's empowering to learn from others who've achieved at the level you desire. And you can learn transformational success more rapidly. Today, I'm excited and I'm delighted to have the renowned, nationally and internationally known individual who's often been called a visionary, a pathmaker, a preacher, teacher, a great and dynamic leader for all times, and who is a devoted husband and father and shepherd of one of the largest churches in the Western United States, and who is the presiding bishop of the Church of God in Christ Incorporated that hosts 6.5 million member Pentecostal holiness denomination. Internationally, this denomination can be found in more than 70 countries. Its worldwide membership is estimated to be between 12 million members and more than 12,000 congregations throughout the world. He is none other than Bishop Charles Edward Blake of West Angeles Church. And our show today is entitled, When God Directs You Off the Beaten Path, What Now? Or When God Redirects Your Path, Then What? You know, Bishop Blake is one of the most respected and influential voices all over the world today. He's touched the lives of millions, and his sermons have reached into the hearts of men and women around the globe. He's going to share today in a heart-to-heart discussion about taking ministry to uncharted waters and family and relationships and his principles about God's direction, many of which are taken right from the Word of God that motivated him to accomplish his goals even in the face of limitations and adversity. So I want you to stay tuned as he's going to share his amazing journey of transformational success. So listeners, I'm encouraging you, call your friends to listen in as you're going to hear from my bishop and friend, Dr. Charles Edward Blake. So I want to welcome you to send your feedback, comments, or questions to me during the show at info at transformationforsuccess.com. It can also be reached on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Now to my guest, oh, Bishop Charles Edward Blake. Greetings to Bishop Blake. 
Hello, Dr. Young. What a joy it is to be on the program today. Well, I just had to get all that in about you because I tell you, this is incredible. You know, I'm just excited and we're just going to have a great time today. You know, Bishop, I know from personal experience that you are a very humble and modest man, but I want to share a little bit more with the listeners about some of your many accomplishments over the years, because truly this show epitomizes transformed lives, which is also a part of the mission statement of West Angeles Church of God, is a ministry of excellence is designed to encourage life transformation for individuals through your threefold purpose of evangelizing, edifying, and equipping people so they can serve the community and reach the world for God. So I just wanted to share, today you have a church membership of well over 25,000 members, and you started with only 50 members in 1969 when you well, became pastor. Let me say that whatever West Angeles is, you made a vital contribution in having it become that. You served as a board member of our board of directors. Thank you. You've been a representative of Cal State University to the community and to West Angeles Church, and you've brought many opportunities for our young people through that connection. And you've just been devoted as a leader in the life of our church, and you epitomize transformation for success. And we just love you and appreciate you so much. And anything you want me to do, I'm going to always be ready to do it. And I'm happy to respond to your invitation to be on the program today. Bishop, you just really touched my heart now. I don't want to cry, but because but, I'm talking about you. Uh, the dynamic visionary and really such a great leader. And I'm so happy to be a part of West Angeles. I'm so glad that God sent me there. We can't have any crying on this program today. (laughs) No, I can't cry. But one of the things that, you know, is notable that you were selected and have been by Ebony for many, many years as one of the 15 greatest preachers in America. I mean, and really, without a doubt, you bring a message that ministers to the whole person and brings together people from all racial backgrounds, uh, racial and ethnic backgrounds. You know, and you have been annually since 2007 been recognized as one of the 100 plus most influential African-Americans. You hold multiple academic and honorary degrees from various educational institutions. You also have an honorary uh, doctorate degree conferred conferred upon you by California State University, Los Angeles. You know, one of the things I think that clearly shows your heart is when you, in response to the HIV AIDS crisis, founded Save Africa's Children that provided support, and I know this, to well over 420 orphan programs and 200,000 children throughout sub-Saharan Africa. And I was pleased to be included on one of those trips in 2003 to Kenya and South America, I mean South Africa. So I know what an incredible job that has been done by you under your leadership. Well, that was one of the high thrills of my life to have that involvement. And it was such a wonderful treat. And now as head of the denomination, Church of God in Christ, I have the opportunity of going into Africa now through our denomination. And we've just ordained, I think, 18 bishops in Nigeria, uh, four bishops in South Africa, two bishops in India. We're in more than 70 nations uh, of the world. And it is just an expansion of my involvement of Save Africa's Children. So I can do all that I was doing there and even more. Uh, through the many, many churches that we have on the continent of Africa and around the world. Well, I think it's just notable, you know, you've 
you know, you've created quite a legacy. And I know, Bishop, you've received so many accolades and awards. I mean, it's too numerous to mention. But in, uh, I want the listeners out there, many of whom may not even know you, but a lot of people do. But we're in 170 countries, so, gee, I want them to know that in 2010, you were appointed as a member of Barack Obama's inaugural advisory council of the Office of Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships. So that's quite a feat, and but I know that your most treasured accomplishment is being the husband of a wonderful lady, and I just love her, Lady May Lawrence Blake. I call Lady May my secret weapon, oh, and she's sure been is. involved with me in every uh, program and every initiative that I've launched. Uh, she stood solidly by my side. She's given me many insights and innovative ideas. And whatever she could do to beautify whatever I've built, our church and our facilities, she's done that. And what a wonderful blessing she is to me and to the world. Well, you are a blessed man because family is the anchor that keeps us grounded, supports us, and allows us to stay focused. So your your immediate family, your three your your three children, they're wonderful, and your eight grandchildren. Boy, I tell you, I remember <laughs> when you didn't have any, and all of a sudden they're eight. Yeah, and how <laughs> wonderful they are! How they they the wonderful. joy of my life, and it's good to be a grandfather. Oh, I, I know. I kind of like being a grandmother too. <laughs> yes, it's, it's real. We should have done this first. If we'd known it was so much fun, we could have. Uh, we should have decided to be grandparents first instead of parents. <laughs> I, well, I guess it doesn't. I guess God didn't have it that way. That you doesn't know, work that way, does it? No, it doesn't work that way. But Bishop, uh, in looking back over your life, would you have ever thought that you would be at this level of ministry and to share the gospel with such at such great breadth and heights? <laughs> well, let, let me say it this way: I've been in the ministry since 1957. Mm-hmm. And I determined at the beginning that it was going to be my lifelong pursuit. I made a commitment to minister and to serve. And at first it was very small in breadth and small in impact. But over the 55 years, it has developed degree by degree. As time went on, I developed the capacity to see short distances ahead and mm-hmm. see incremental developments. But even now, God has blessed me to experience uh, uh, so much that it's difficult for me to really believe and to realize what has actually happened. But it happened over such a long period of time that as I came nearer to where I am now, I truly did begin to see and conceive of the extent and the breadth of, of the involvement and the uh, tremendous responsibilities and wonderful privileges that I would enjoy. It's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. I didn't see the whole thing at once, but bit by bit I could see a few feet ahead and a few years ahead, and now God has blessed me to have become presiding bishop of one of the great denominations of the world, the Church of God in Christ, and mm-hmm. to pastor one of the great churches of the world. But it all happened step by step, and I climbed round by round. Well, you know, I think it's important for people to understand that, too, because uh, we live in such a fast-forward generation now, you know, a vending machine, sort of, I call it mentality, push a button and it happens. Uh, Bishop, you know, one of the things that when I titled this show and I thought about you, you know, did you always want to be a minister? Because one of the things I, I, I shared was how God can take you off, uh, redirect your path to where we, you know, he wants us to be. Did you always you know, want to be a minister? You know, my dad was a minister. 
Uh, and my family was very, very devoutly Christian and committed to the church. I was almost born on a church pew, and all of my childhood, I kind of just grew up involved in the life of the church and firmly believed the teachings of the church and believed that the church was essential to the well-being of our society, that as a custodian of values and morals and as a perpetuator of the teaching of the uh, philosophy of Jesus Christ and the teachings of Jesus Christ, um, I just bought into it. And so um, I did not always feel I was going to be in the ministry, but I thought I would always be in ministry. As a young man, I worked in the church. I participated in the life of the church and tried to live uh, a Christian life. When I reached the age of 12, my mother said, Charles, when Jesus was 12, he was about his father's business. Now, what are you going to do? And that had an indelible impact on me. And and I, I kept on getting saved and kept on accepting the Lord until 16, I made a, a, a real genuine commitment of my life uh, to ministry and started preaching at 16 years old. And uh, it was a fascinating journey, but no, I did not always uh, know that I was going to be in ministry. But at 16, I was sitting in church one evening. Mm-hmm. My father was announcing the first message that another young man was going to be preaching on that coming Friday. And something said from within me, uh, it was in my voice, uh, I said, and Dad, I'd like to preach on Friday too. He was amazed, and I was more amazed that I had said that because it was not something I had determined I was going to say. Uh, but that was, for me, the it constituted my call uh, to the ministry. And ever since that time, I've been pursuing it and, and never doubted whether God has called me or set me aside for this uh, purpose. I've just been amazed and thankful that I knew from, the, from that moment what my life was going to be about and what I was supposed to do. So listeners, stay tuned. We'll be right back. And thank you for listening. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com When you see someone, are you seeing the person or the perception? We see labels such as fat, thin, black, white, rich, poor. But we don't always see the true identity. Listen for New Dimensions with Reverend Nicholas Barrett. On this program, we'll embrace the breaking down of societal paradigms, our norms, and acceptance of our false selves. You can find your identity the way that God intended. Forget all the labels that you think you see. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Do you feel alone, even when you're surrounded by others? Do you feel that there's sometimes nowhere to turn and nobody really understands? Remember, you are not alone. Every week, host April J. Ford, who has faced adversity as a constant in her life, helps you rise above life's challenges with your own blueprint meant to help you find out who you are. April's challenges have included childhood sexual abuse, becoming a widow and single parent at 32, and other such curveballs. She'll help you every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello there, and welcome back to Transformation for a Success Show with Dr. Barbara Young and my guest today, Bishop Charles Edward Blake, the dynamic visionary, pathmaker, great leader for all times, and shepherd of one of the largest churches in the Western United States, my church, West Angeles Church of God in Christ. So, Bishop, thank you, and we're back on track. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. We, no, we you're were talking talk- about me so wonderfully. I, I, I tell the story about a, a funeral that was taking place, and people were talking about the deceased individual and how wonderful he was. And and someone in the audience got up and walked up and looked inside the casket. So I wanted to make sure that the person you're talking about is the one in this casket because this sounds like somebody altogether different from the one we knew. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You, you, no. We love you, Bishop, and honestly. So many people admire you and admire the fact that you bring such light to many, many people who are walking around in darkness. One of the things uh, I wanted to ask, you talked about your early adult life, and after you received the call to the ministry, you, you were in your dad's church. But you know, as with anyone, we all have our struggles. What would you say was one of your early struggles that you had to overcome as a young pastor? Well, you know, I, I had a tremendous struggle with the bashfulness and timidity. I was really self-conscious uh, and started out in the ministry very timidly and, and, and very, very uh, apprehensive. I, I, I don't know why, but uh, that was my essence, my biggest, biggest problem and biggest challenge. One day I was sitting on a, uh, on a bus and just kind of wondering who was looking at me and, and, and uh, feeling very self-conscious and very insecure. Um, and the Lord spoke to me and said, now, listen, what you should do is stop thinking about people looking at you and start thinking about people and praying for them as you're in their presence and and start saying to them in your heart, you're my brother, you're my sister, I love you with the love of the Lord. And I began to practice that and began to focus on people rather than focusing on myself, and it was only through that little exercise that I would constantly practice whenever I would be threatened by fear and intimidation, just looking at others around me and not saying it verbally necessarily, mm-hmm. but within myself, just saying, you're my brother, you're my sister, I love you, God bless you. And when I began to look at people, um, I stopped looking at myself and stopped thinking about them looking at me, and that was one of the ways that I overcame my self-consciousness and my timidity. 
Well, you know, that is amazing because, and I'm sure, I'm not sure how many people would even know that about you because to look at you today, this man of stature, you're tall and you're handsome and you step forward and you're with confidence. And yet there is a humility about you that I, I know many people adore, but would never think that it ever in your life you were self-conscious. But, yeah, well, I'm threatened by that even now, but God helps me to overcome it and to by focusing on people and their needs and trying to help them and trying to minister to them and trying to encourage them, it helps me to forget about myself. You know, and that's a wonderful thing for people out there to hear who are self-conscious and they feel timid uh, in their spirits when God is trying to get them to go forward and to not focus on themselves, but to focus on other, focus on other people. You I know, know people, people you know, and having to be in, in this large ministry where you are today, Bishop, I mean, just think, here you are ministering on Sundays with 7,000 people. Of course, you've ministered to millions of people, but can you imagine, you would have ever thought that God would bring you that far, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you know, when you really think about it, people have such a, a kaleidoscope of problems and challenges and difficulties, and everybody is beset by challenges that are sometimes more than they can handle. Um, and really, I don't have time to worry about myself. I, when I think about all the challenges that people face, and try my best to apply the Word of God to their situation and try to find some kind of way to approach them uh, in such a way as to help them to um, meet the challenges of life more effectively, uh, then I'm able to focus on them rather than myself and try to get to the core of their problem. You know, one of the things, too, that I do know about you is that in the early on in the ministry, when you were anointed and appointed by Bishop Crouch, uh, to take over West Angeles, uh, you had members that actually walked out, and you had, ended up with 59 members. How in the <laughs> now, world I, <laughs> I been better, that? I, I would have been better off, maybe, if they had walked out, but they didn't walk out. They stayed there and fought me oh. like tigers. Uh, in, our, in our denomination, the bishops assign pastors, and of course, there's always conflict between uh, the bishops and the congregations who feel that they could do a better job of selection than the bishop had. And in this case, the bishop had made uh, a selection in very adverse circumstances. The church had been without an active pastor for over two years, uh, and the pastor had died, finally uh, passed away about two or three months before the month of January in uh, 1969. And the bishop says that, that God has assigned you. He has, he has led me to assign you to this church. I believe you'll be a blessing to it. Uh, and I believed it too. And so I went to the church, and uh, when I announced my appointment, uh, when the bishop announced my appointment, seven men stood up and said, No, bishop, we do not accept your assignment. You don't accept your appointment. And Bishop said, you seven men be seated. They would not sit down. And so he said, everybody stand. And he had the whole congregation to stand. And then he prayed the benediction and tapped me on the shoulder and said, it's yours, my boy, and walked out the side door and left me in there with those hostile individuals. And just somehow they let me come to the platform and I began to talk 
about the vision that God had given me for the church and how I felt the Lord would lead us to grow and to develop and do an effective job and asked them to just give me a chance. And they voted 40 to 11 that they would give me an opportunity to see what could be done with the congregation. That was 57 years ago. I'm still there. And uh, that little 50-member congregation has become a 25,000-member congregation open. now. And so I think that my uh, genuineness uh, and the genuineness of my appointment has been validated, but it was a rough time and tough time with court cases and uh, lights wow. turned out in business sessions and all that kind of stuff. But the Lord blessed me to become stronger and stronger within myself as time went by. And I think that that was one of the experiences that made me the man that I am now. And I think that's that's encouraging. One of the things that, as you were talking, and I, I wrote it out, and I, I circled it and underlined it, you said something very important. You believed. You believed it. You believed you were the pastor. You believed that you could do that job, and you could stand up against those seven men who were not in favor of you. But believing it, and accepting it. And that, to me, is so important, Bishop, and I'm glad you brought that out. You know, sure. one of the things that I do know about you, and I, and I was intrigued by this, because a lot of people, you know, admire you. The, fight, the thing that you were able to do all of these years, and that is no matter what the struggles, you have been able to balance that life, it appears, but I want to hear you say it, how you were able to balance your life of being the pastor, the husband, and the father, and, and what principles could you give to enlighten some of the young ministers today who are grappling or people who are in leadership grappling with trying to find that balance? Well, I found out, number one, mm-hmm. that it is absolutely necessary uh, to balance your life, to do those things that help you to survive, mm-hmm. to maintain your strength. Uh, I'm sure that there have been many times in my career that I've experienced borderline burnout. You know, mm-hmm. at, at times yeah. when I, I did not understand uh, why I was having so much of a strain, so much difficulty, why I could not concentrate, why I, mm-hmm. I would drop to sleep uh, uh, at, the, at every opportunity, why I was so weary and so drained. But I, number one, I needed rest, and and I've learned now how if I'm I'm sleepy, go somewhere and go to sleep. If I'm mm-hmm. tired, mm-hmm. go and get some rest. Uh, that I have other responsibilities beyond uh, the ministry to the church and the, and the work that I'm doing. I have done with Save Africa's Children or some other mm-hmm. crusade. That number one, my family is my number one responsibility. That's good. I've got They've got three wonderful children and a wonderful mm-hmm. wife, and they are my first congregation that I need to minister to and be aware of. And so I, I, I find such strength in my family, such uh, strength in my wife, and it helps me to become stronger and be the man that I must be. And so they must be a priority. My own mm-hmm. physical welfare and well-being and emotional well-being must also be a priority. And I need to do all the things, including take time off and take vacations so that my physical and emotional strength will be sustained and so that my family will also have an opportunity to participate in those kinds of things with me. And so it's an absolute essential necessity 
that I find some balance in my life. And when I do, it makes me a better minister. Well, you certainly uh, are obviously the example of that. Your wife looks happy. Your children are in the ministry doing very well. And I know it hasn't all been easy, but that's the one thing that I think sets you apart when we have family and you're able to give of yourself and your time to and have that balance. Thank you so much, Bishop, for sharing that. We have to fight for it. Oh, I can well imagine. You know, I was thinking about how weary uh, you must get sometimes. I remember, and I'm reflecting, when you were preaching five services a Sunday. One, two, three, four. Yes, five services yeah, Many times Sunday. it was six because I would preach four times at West Angeles, uh, seven, eight, thirty, ten, and eleven thirty. Mm-hmm. And then usually I was bishop of the jurisdiction, 250 churches by that time in Southern Cal that I presided over. And I would always have to go out to some church or another for Sunday afternoon. And then mm-hmm. I would come back to Los Angeles for a 7 o'clock service on Sunday evening. And so many times, it was not only four times, it was five times, and many times, six times that I was ministering in oh, wow. separate wow. services <laughs> on a Sunday. That was a, the most difficult season of my life. But you did it for 12 years. Yeah, it was <laughs> essential and necessary. Uh, the people would be lined up two blocks away waiting to I get remember. in the next service. And, and, and we could not accommodate them unless we added that uh, fourth service on Sunday morning because uh, we were filled to capacity in three and we added four and prob- probably could have added an additional service if my body would have been able to bear the strain. But fortunately, we were wise enough to stop at what we could do at that point in time. And we did that for, yes, as you said, 12 years. And it was such a wonderful and joyous an exciting season, but also a very, very exhausting season. Well, you know, also, Bishop, I wanted you to just share with the listeners uh, a defining moment when you be, you were uh, aware, because at the time I joined the church, you were beginning what I called a Solomon experience of building the West Angeles Cathedral for the Lord right in the middle of the ghetto, we would say, of Los Angeles. So, Share with us what that was like for you, because it was during that 12-year period that you were preaching seven and eight sermons a Sunday that you were also in a building mode. Yes, we were building one of the most uh, expensive churches, uh, I guess, ever built in our nation, more than $65 million, including the price of the land that we had purchased. And and it was such a challenge for us to 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 even conceive of doing it. And we did not expect or intend to build a structure that was so expensive. Mm-hmm. We just acquired an architect, and then we acquired another architect, architectural firm to design, to design a building that would accommodate our people. And we thought it was going to be about $20 million, and it turned out to be $65 million. And lo and behold, God made it possible for us to borrow the $35 million that we needed to... Wow finish out the cost of the building. We'd raised about $30 million and were able to do it. And it heightened the ability of our church to minister to our community. We built 400 homes and condos for people uh, in our community. We've assisted them in finding thousands and thousands of jobs. We have helped individuals in countless ways through our community development cooperation 
Yes, you and have. Our community, our community Development Corporation was indicated by uh, the University of Southern California as one of the top, if not the top, community development corporation in the city of Los Angeles. And so the, the, the number of people who come to us assist us in gathering resources and enable us to hire more than 200 staff persons to work in the community, in the jails, in the hospitals, in the community, providing 400 residences for people who would have no place to live. And so it's not just a big church, but it's a big church with purpose. The size and the strength of our church enables us to help and to assist the people in our community in a special way. And that is wonderful, Bishop. You know, I was there doing that that experience of building the West Angeles Cathedral, and certainly it is to the glory of God that that building stands as it is. You know, what one of the other questions I have for you, you are such a um, an ardent advocate of education and academic excellence, and I know you have all of these degrees, but you know, you've accomplished so many goals, and you're known throughout the world as a great leader. I want you to talk about some of your key principles of effective leadership in the ministry that you can share with the listeners today, because truly, you are a phenomenal leader. I mean, I know that for a fact. So what are some of your key principles or secrets of good leadership? Well, one thing that happened to me during the first year that I was uh, pastor of Los Angeles, I was seized by all kind of problems and challenges, mm-hmm. uh, and really was quite bewildered because uh, I knew that God had something special in store for us, but I had trouble really visualizing how we could get from a small church with a $12,000 annual budget uh, and 50 active members into something that could really impact the community and make a difference. I'd never seen a church with more than a 1,000 members, and so it was difficult for me to conceive I'm really doing great things, but um, in that first year, I went to a conference sponsored by a very prominent minister uh, who began to share uh, some of the things that God had done through him and some of the things that were being done across the world. He talked about a man by the name of Paul Cho in Korea. Oh, yes, Dr. Cho. Huh? 700,000 members. Mm-hmm. And, and hearing him and thinking about it, I began to say, Lord, if you could do this through him, then can't you at least do something through me. And I cried that day and asked God to expand and bless my ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and from that point forward, I began to think and to dream on a much higher level and to be determined uh, to do something great and to do something significant uh, for the Lord. And we began to move into four services and we began to think about building uh, a building that would be beyond uh, even our highest imagination and beyond anything that we'd ever accomplished uh, before. And so I just had the confidence that God, the great God that we serve, mm-hmm. the great God that flung the stars against the blackness of the night and the God that created <laughs> the sun and the moon that brought the universe into existence, that he could use us in the inner city of Los Angeles to do something significant, something great. And we just believe God and trusted him and began to dedicate our plans and our visions uh, to him. Uh, When Jesus was 12 years old, he was about his father's business, and I felt that we needed to be about God's business in the city of Los Angeles. 
And so we built the cathedral, and God took us to another level of enablement and capacity. Uh, and uh, that was one of the defining moments of my life, because God did something for a little inner-city congregation and a young preacher that uh, I'd never seen done before in the inner city. Well, they say he confounds the use to foolishness of the world to confound the wise, does he yes. not? <laughs> yes, he does that. He does it. So, Bishop, what do you think uh, would be the primary uh, leadership uh, trait or traits that you think effective leaders should have today in the ministry? Well, the primary thing that an effective leader has is faith. It would be faith. Mm-hmm. Confidence that God can bring those things that he has promised uh, to pass and mm-hmm. into existence in the life of the church and in the life uh, of, of the minister. Um, I'm touched and impacted by the condition of our world, by the confusion that exists in our world, by mm-hmm. the violence and the anger that exists in our communities and the hopelessness that, that overwhelms people. And you need a determination to do something about meeting that need. You cannot turn the world around single-handed, but you can work in the place where you are and do what you can where you are to make a difference for the Lord um, in the lives of people. And if you can change one life, mm-hmm. then you've made Absolutely. great progress. If you can change two, if you can change three, uh, a boy was uh, walking beside the ocean and he came to an area where fish had been actually trapped in a shallow area where they could not really even swim. It was very shallow, and the young boy began to pick up fish and take them to the main body of the water and release them in the in the ocean so that they could live. And someone said to him, there are hundreds of fish. How can you make a difference? You can't make any difference. You need to give up. But the young man holding one fish said it'll make a lot of difference to this fish. And he took him to the ocean and released him in the fuller body of water where he could swim and where he could survive. And that's what we just have to believe, that though we're not doing everything we wish we could do uh, at every time we try and uh, within the context of a day's effort, it, it makes a lot of difference to the people whom we do help and whom we do save. And so that's the effort, that's the focus that we must pursue, doing all the good we can while we can, where we can. That is wonderful, Bishop. You know, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back because I have a question I'm going to ask Bishop about who is the man today in leadership that he admires. So listeners, stay tuned. We'll be right back. And thank you for listening. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. What makes you the best you can be? Is it money? Is it success? Maybe it's love, a good career, home and family. Could it be a bit of all of these things? Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola, along with her featured guests, will bring you the tools that could be the answer to the questions you've been asking. You'll get to the root of some of the problems that have been keeping you from being the best you can be and tackle them head on. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
What makes you the best you can be? Is it money? Is it success? Maybe it's love, a good career, home and family. Could it be a bit of all of these things? Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola, along with her featured guests, will bring you the tools that could be the answer to the questions you've been asking. You'll get to the root of some of the problems that have been keeping you from being the best you can be and tackle them head on. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello and welcome back to Transformation for Success show today with my guest, Bishop Charles Edward Blake, the dynamic visionary pathmaker, great leader for all times and shepherd of one of the largest churches in the Western United States and my church, West Angeles Church of God in Christ. And we have a membership of over 25,000 people. So Bishop, welcome back. And I got a great question for you. Thank you so much. It's good to be back. <laughs> Uh, you know, I know that you've been around so many people and exposed all over the world. Who, and I hate to maybe have you pinpoint one, but let's talk about great leadership uh, and maybe a person that you feel is a great leader or some of the people that you think combine what we call good leadership today. Well, there are, there are thousands of people that I admire, hundreds of pastors and bishops and individuals mm-hmm. uh, whom I've had the opportunity of associating with. Uh, let, let me give you just, just two individuals whom I um, have great admiration and great respect for. And the first would have to be President Barack Obama. Uh, what, what an amazing man he is. Uh, and I do want to say that I don't agree with, I uh, concur with everything that uh, uh, he believes and, and that he propagates. But nevertheless, that does not eliminate the fact that he is a person who stood against insurmountable odds and was willing to dream uh, in a way and at a level that few others had ever dreamed. And then he was able to pursue his dream uh, and his vision um, and in the midst of criticism and, and condemnation and rejection, he was able to persist until he became president of the United States, the first black president in the history of the United States. And he has to be commended and admired for that. And uh, I hope that our young people will emulate him and duplicate um, the lifestyle and the approach that has characterized mm-hmm. uh, his presidency and that many others will rise to excellence. The second person I would want to mention is a young man who serves the Church of God in Christ now as the president mm-hmm. of our missions department. He's in India now, uh, mm-hmm. ministering and preaching and sharing, along with our second vice president, uh, to the multitudes in the nation of India. Uh, ten years ago, he was an educator uh, with mm-hmm. a graduate degree and a six-figure salary uh, in the city of Detroit. Uh, and he decided to give up his job and take his wife and his seven children and move to South Africa, where he became pastor of a very small church. That church now numbers more than a 1,000 members, um, and 
when I made a selection of the person who would lead our missions uh, ministry around the world and be in charge of, of our churches and our bishops in 70 nations uh, of the world, I made selection of this practicing full-time missionary uh, out of uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, and now he's in charge of our worldwide ministry uh, under my supervision uh, as presiding bishop. He's doing an excellent job. He's making tremendous sacrifices. His family has made a tremendous sacrifice. All of his seven children were homeschooled, and all of them have received full scholarships to college, and they're Isn't that doing wonderful? extremely well, and he's living this a fantastic life and having a fantastic ministry, and so you get me started to talking about <laughs> him, I'll, I'll wear your clock out, but I do want to say that he's Vincent Matthews, Bishop Vincent Matthews. It was Vincent. my joy to ordain him as a bishop Aww, of the church. And he's wonderful. doing an excellent, excellent job. Not known all over the world, but I believe the world will one day hear about him. Well, you know, I'm so glad you mentioned him because one of the things you said that really ties us into uh, what I we were talking a little bit about today in terms of the topic, and that's when 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 God takes you off or redirects your your life. And here's a case in point: you talk about Vincent. He's in the corporate world. He's got a six-figured income, but God moved him and redirected his life into yeah. where he's now impacting. The world, numbers yes. of people, you know, so it's just there's so many examples, Bishop, that I get excited about when I think about those whom God has redirected their paths. And Joseph, for example, one day a slave, you know, the next day mm-hmm. he's governor of Egypt and even Moses. You know, I think about that, too. When you sort of mentioned being shy and timid, here was Moses on the backside of a desert for how many years? And God chooses him. Mm-hmm. and molds him to a servant that he wants him to be. And I get excited. I'm getting excited, as you can see, because what transpired in your life, you know, was, yeah, maybe you didn't want to be going to the ministry, but God placed you exactly where he wanted you to be to redirect your life so that you could be this bishop for all these 6 million, 6.5 million member denomination to mm-hmm. change the lives of so many individuals and to actually bring up sons and daughters as you have. I'm excited, Bishop, and just want to thank you so much for sharing. Wow. So yeah, Vincent well, Matthews. <laughs> one of the men who assisted me uh, and our organization in ministry, but I could name name after name after name, mm-hmm. and one of the joys of being presiding bishop is that I, I have the opportunity of seeking out and uh, involving and assigning tremendous young men who would be top executives in any field and any organization, but they've dedicated and committed their lives to serving humanity and serving God, and they're doing such a tremendous job. And as presiding bishop, I have the opportunity to soar on their wings and to be carried by their effort uh, into great things. Well, you know, Bishop, one of the things that I know you're, you're a modest again, but I'm going to bring this up. You know, when you mentioned the church of 25,000 members, but you have a staff of 200 members, that's, that's like corporation with 200 staff members, and you yes. are the leader. So somehow, you know, you haven't really addressed how you're able to keep this all together. You are the shepherd of a ministry, but you're also like almost a businessman. You are running a corporation, and I've seen you in action, and uh, you don't play. <laughs> well, well, some of the 200 
were hired to help me keep it together. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you're the leader, though, and the buck stops with you. Yes, and, it and does. It stops with you, Bishop. And so I just want people to know that you are a great leader. Uh, you're you're not imposing, but let me tell you, everybody respects and know that you mean what you say and you say what you mean. <laughs> Well, thank Uh, you. God has been uh, so good to us, and I thank him that he has taught me and enabled me and uh, sometimes stepped in in the midst of my frailty and inability and made things come out good anyhow. Well, you know, Bishop, what continues to inspire you in today's climate and environment? Because there's so much turmoil and there's a lot of disaster in the young people's lives, particularly the youth today. So what what is inspiring you and uh, future plans that you have for West Day and what's next well, for you? I, I'll tell you, what, the thing that inspires me uh, is the existence of and the involvement of people like Vincent Matthews and, mm-hmm. and other executives who are working in the life of our organization who are transforming their communities, transforming their world. Um, I offer to the denomination a five-point urban initiative that I wanted all of our 12,000 churches to pursue in their communities. Uh, Initiative number one, uh, mentoring and tutoring and training uh, of our young people. Uh, 50% of our young people in the black community are not finishing high school. Right, uh, and that's right. tragic. And so we want to do uh, training and mentoring, uh, and then secondly, crime prevention. Crime is literally destroying our men and our young people, and a disproportionate number of our black people, black men, are going to prison and to jail. And if we can keep our children out of the cycle of crime and establish uh, ways of, of raising up law-abiding uh, people who are involved and productive, that would be good. And so mentoring, uh, crime prevention, uh, mm-hmm. economic development, helping to find jobs for our people and helping them to know how to apply and how to refine their skills so that they'll be employable, and also uh, family Building Strong Families is initiative number four, with focus on the involvement of our young men. Number five, financial literacy. If our 12,000 churches will Mm -hmm. each have these five programs at work within their life, that'll be 60,000 inner-city programs at work within the context of our nation and will have an impact on the world. And hundreds of our churches are already involved in these urban initiative programs, and we're so proud of of what they're doing. But I'm excited about um, the possibility of doing that. I'm inspired by the possibility that some of the turmoil and disaster that you Mm -hmm. mentioned might be alleviated by strong community emphasis and focus, but not only by the church, but if every uh, concerned uh, citizen within our community would understand that they don't live just for themselves, but they live to help and to lift and to encourage somebody else, then we'd make a difference, and that excites me. That's wonderful. Well, I get excited when I think about it. Now, Bishop, was this your vision that came from God on the five-point initiatives that you gave to the Church of God in Christ? Well, I I feel that they were, I feel that God would be pleased by them. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm sure that God gave me the um, capacity and and the ability to to develop them. I I feel Mm -hmm. that they were inspired and given to me 
by him, and they're having a tremendous impact uh, through our churches, and and not only are our churches being blessed because communities are coming more to the church to receive these five areas of development and emphasis, and it's wonderful. It's so exciting. Well, you know, um, one of the things that I feel that you have done, and it's sort of like taking the ministry to some uncharted waters, are there any last-minute sort of principles before we wrap up the show or things you want to say? Because certainly, Bishop, you have taken the ministry to uncharted waters as it relates to families, communities, and relationships. Are there any final comments that you'd like to make before we close the show? Well, let me say four things. Mm-hmm. Number one. If a doorway is open and it leads to a good objective and a right objective, then walk through that doorway and accomplish something good. But number two, if the door is closed, don't beat your head against the door. Search for another door. And then number three, understand that we all have the capacity to open some doors even though they are closed. And finally... When there's no door open and you're locked out and you're locked in, then work and worship and praise God and serve God where you are until the door is opened. Amen. I love it, Bishop. I love it. So remember those points. A doorway, if it's open and it's the right objective, you're going to walk through. If the door is closed, search for another Number three, remember, all of us have the capacity to open some doors. And number four, if you're locked out, work. Did I hear you say work and pray, (laughs) Bishop? Work and worship. Work and worship. I got it. You know, listeners, I know that you've enjoyed hearing from Bishop Charles Blake today and learning more about him his journey, and how God can redirect your life. Bishop, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today, really, and sharing a lot of your insights and your journey with the listeners. And thank I you just so wanna, much for allowing me to. I just want to wish you God's continued blessings as you pursue your vision and mission as a true servant of God, truly. You know, listeners, I want to leave you with this in the last little minute. You know, there are many challenges we all face in today's world, and some are good, and some are bad, and some ugly. And there are many of you out there who are brokenhearted and disappointed, disillusioned, and you're locked into a standstill dream. But listen, one thing we must caution ourselves, and that's not to fight God every step of the way, or to complain and murmur when he redirects our path. It has to do with God sending you on another assignment to step into your destiny. So this is your Transformation for Success coach, Dr. Barbara Young, signing off now until next Tuesday, and I leave you with this. Be inspired, be challenged, be encouraged, be peaceful, be thankful, and be forever transformed. Thank you, Bishop. I love you much. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have an outstanding week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.